You're listening to. Whoa! Recording from San Diego Comic Con 2018, you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. Meet you in the afternoon. Don't worry, I could come to you. Meet you at the Bedford store. Won't matter what you say. Only need to see your face and know what you're going Hey everyone, how's it going? This is episode 173 of the Collab Cast. It is Saturday, July the 21st, 2018. My name is Marvin Yue, and this is part one of our two-episode series covering the pop culture celebration known as San Diego Comic-Con. On this episode, I'll be sharing a quick recap of the major news um, involving Asian Americans in pop culture with pop culture reporter Laura Circle. Um, I'll also be sharing a panel discussion I hosted at the Copa Vida Coffee House here in San Diego with three amazing authors. Um, Sarah Kuhn, um, who's been on this podcast, the author of the Heroin Complex series. C.B. Lee, the author of the Psychic Squad series. And R.F. Kwan, the author of The Poppy War. But first, here's my chat with Laura Sirico, where we geek out about some of the news uh, from the first few days of Comic-Con. And welcome back to the Collabcast. We are here with Laura Sirikul, our, I guess, regular correspondent for <laughs> pop culture stuff. Um, Geek correspondent, pop culture correspondent. Yeah. Laura is here covering um, Comic-Con for, uh, for how many outlets are you covering for? Uh, two of them right now. Okay. And then, I'm, and then one I'm pitching after. Cool. Um, so it's been, right now we're recording on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, day, I guess... End of day two, mm-hmm. but the third night of Comic-Con. Yeah, this pretty view right here. Yeah, we're here at the Hilton Bayfront Hotel. Uh, we are taking a break yes. from the Nerds of Color mixer that's happening downstairs. It's an awesome mixer. Yeah, and we're talking with Laura because I want to know what's going on with them. Uh, because she, she's actually covering the con as opposed to me who's, you know. What? Like, you're, you're a press badge. Picking and choosing who I, who I, who I, who I cover. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about, you know, there's been a couple of Asian American related news. Yes. Uh, from yeah. Comic Con. Uh, first of all, was the release of the Titans trailer starring yes. one Ryan Potter. My, my, my favorite. <laughs> if, I, I'm, I'm part of a Titans podcast. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm there basically to talk about Ryan Potter because <laughs> um, that's my, remember, I tell everyone, like, I know he's, he's super young, but that's my um, cougar permission, <laughs> cougar. Cougar level. <laughs> I'm the, I, I only get one, and it's yeah. Ryan Potter. Because like, I, I, I love my Asians. That's pretty cool. So like, there's a lot of Titan stuff happening this Tons. year. Like Teen Titan stuff, and as well as Titans, the upcoming... It's a, is it a web series or like a TV series? Uh, no, it's a DC Universe is um, the, the one that Ryan's on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, called, it's the DC Universe streaming service. Okay. So they're having a lot of original content. like Just like Hulu, just like Netflix, they have their original content. So DC Universe is having tons of original um, shows, including Swamp Thing, oh, which yeah. is going to be directed by James Wan. Oh wow! Yeah, he's going to be directing a few of the episodes. He's like he's the a, new, new. He is the new DC nerd because 
uh, Aquaman has great reviews already. Really? Yeah, like the, the the early reviews are like it's 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 really good. Wow. Yeah, Aquaman. They're I guess they're dropping the trailer tomorrow. Tomorrow. Hall H panel. Yeah, James is here. Yeah. I want him to sign my Funko Pop. I got <laughs> I got his Funko Pop so he could sign it. Yeah. I guess let's talk about that uh, Titans trailer. Oh my god! It seems really dark. It is super dark. It I I did not expect. Um, I expected the F word, but I didn't expect um, Robin to break someone's neck. Yeah, that was what. <laughs> that's what disturbed me because that was such a t- Jason Todd thing instead yeah. of um a, um a um Dick Grayson because Dick Grayson still kind of he's is like good. A, he's like the disciple of Bruce. Yeah, Lane, right? and I like, know yeah. in the thing in the trailer it seemed like he hates him. He's just trying to get away from him, like mm. the legacy of him. But <laughs> I think we talked about this. We talked about this like where it looks pretty bad that he's a detective. He's a police officer, you know. <laughs> And then at nighttime, he's killing people. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that he doesn't kill any people of color because it looks really bad <laughs> that he's a cop. And then yeah. He- I'm interested to see how that chill turns out. Yeah. Um, but I am excited to see Ryan. <laughs> yeah, because Titans, like Teen Titans have always been like kids with powers and like kind of getting shenanigans. But this seems like the um, the dark version, like the, the DC film version of Titans. Yeah. Which- it. It felt it felt like I was watching a movie, um, but like movie by that Zack Snyder decided to do, and it's actually dark in like just darkness. Like it was really hard to see things. So I was just like, I was hoping that this would be uh, in between um, Mm. the movies and the CW shows. Yeah, like I wanted I wanted something where it could be serious, but not like not like someone necks breaking. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. The few glimpses we get of Ryan Potter as Beast Boy. And yeah. his like green skin. Oh my god! Yeah, and his he he looked really good. I love his jacket because they do a little mixture. They made his uniform something contemporary. Mm. Um, and I can't wait to see his role um, prior to Titans, which they'll dress it in for Doom Patrol. Okay. So uh, I was, um, and that's going to be a, its own show too. Because I think I guess they really like the characters so much that they made a spinoff. That's awesome. Um, so there's several like Star Girl was announced um, this weekend. Um, so DC streaming is like DC DC Universe streaming um, is having tons of, and they're also releasing uh, comic books. So you can if you pay one price, um, you get streaming movies, you get streaming television shows, and you get um, comics. Of course, everything's selective, and anything CW or licensed by some other uh, company, uh, it won't be on there. Yeah, but at least they'll have like. Like they'll have their own content. It yeah. seems like they're like that's their draw. It feels like DC is making an effort to diversify its its um, properties. Yeah. Right? Um, another breaking news that came from the DC world was that um, our friend Sarah Kuhn, Yay. writer of the Heroin Complex series, um, was tapped to write a um, graphic novel starring Batgirl, but the Cassandra Kane Batgirl, which is the the best Batgirl, yes. the Asian American Batgirl. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, I missed the DC breakfast that when they announced it, mm-hmm. and then I got an email like with the recap, and I was like screaming. I was like, oh, "I know her, um, and she's going to do an amazing job because I love her books, yeah. and um, she knows how to write complex characters who happen to be Asian and kind of allows and uh, talks about their identity in a little bit." And Cassandra Kane's such like an interesting character because yeah. um, her background is she's like mixed race. Mm-hmm. Her mother is Lady Shiva, who is like the world's oh greatest martial artist. Yeah. 
Yeah, she, I think she's a better fighter than Batman because she was raised to fight. And then Batman, I, I don't think that they've, that's ever been canon, but like, <laughs> um, but they they show her as a fierce fighter because she's been at yeah. birth and her mother versus Batman who grew up, like yeah. who, you know, something happened, trauma. And then, <laughs> but Cassandra had actually like is a really great, fully developed character. Yeah. Um, I just wish um, an Asian American, like, or Asian person would have written it because then you could have more of the identity. Cause, when she was first created. Yeah, right. when she was first created because they I, they they don't really talk about her background other than who her mother was. Yeah. Well, she was Batgirl yeah. before they rebooted it with yeah. 52 and turned Batgirl back to Barbara Gordon. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's awesome to see her take up the Batgirl Mental again. role again. Yeah. yeah. And it, this is for DC's um, YA imprint. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm so glad they're reaching out to young women, young adults. I mean, especially I know it's catering to women, so I, I thought that was a great like yeah. addition. <laughs> um, what else happened? Um, oh yeah, there's there's an Iron Fist thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, the the teaser came out. Yeah, yeah, the teaser came out, and then they had their Hall H panel where the moderator came out dressed in a karate gi for some reason, mm-hmm. and it's kind of. You have an, you have a show that's already on the rocks in terms of yeah. representation, and why rub it in? Yeah, right? I um I actually watched panel because I was so busy and I just didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I but I mean I um I I will always support uh, Jessica Henwick. So yeah, um and I want a daughters of the dragon. So because Jessica has fought really hard like literally like fighting mm-hmm. um and proven herself as like Colleen Wing and like and yeah. then with Misty Knight like Simone um they're they make a really they have such good chemistry in in the um Defenders and in Luke Cage that I'm just like I'm hoping people are just gonna be talking about her for Iron Fist yeah and just and that will just kickstart it more cause in Luke Cage everyone talked about Misty and then hopefully because yeah. like even the trailer that they dropped for Iron Fist season two, mm-hmm. the fight looks terrible. Oh my god! <laughs> I I was hopeful because I was like I was like okay, let's see this teaser because I I'm like he said he's been working out, he said he's been working harder. I'm like I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because I I I'm like I'm he said he would and he understands the hate that he got. Mm. So I'm like let's see this Finn and I press play and I I mean my my friend who I was rooming with and she's one of my good friends. We both just stared each at it and stared like in awe, like not all, but like oh my god, like what? <laughs> when he takes up, when he when he punches, the you could see the guy like moving, like pretending <laughs> he's been hit. Like I was like, yeah, that's like, and and then it doesn't like, when he punches, it didn't look like it was a, a, a follow through like strong punch, right? Like it actually looks slowed down, and I don't know if they told him to go slow and then they'll just make it faster. But it just felt like that. I mean, you had to give it to the choreographers and special effects people to make Finn Jones seem like a competent fighter. Yeah. Uh, um, what they did for Luke Cage, I like that what they did um, for him fighting. They had him put a hoodie on. <laughs> so you see the majority being the a stunt double. <laughs> I was like, okay, put the hoodie on. Or put the mask on him finally. Because then... Um, we could do what Daredevil did and and have like a a, a person another a actual stunt person do That's it. True. Like, 
I mean, obviously, I want an iron, Asian iron fist. I've, I, I agree with that because they should change it. But if you're going to hire a white person, then hire someone who knows. I feel like at this point, like, I don't even care about Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, give me more of the characters that we, that, you know, we care about. Like, just, yeah. Like, just go, that calling wing, like. Yeah. Like, give us, give us someone <laughs> of a, of a Asian descent, um, like because we're we're striving. Like everyone, someone asked me because I I was covering Marvel and DC and mm-hmm. like for the movies. Someone actually asked me. They're like, "Is there any Asian like a- Asian man like male or even the, in the movies or Asian woman in the movies?" And I was like, "Oh, the only one I can think of is Benedict Wong, but he's not really a lead. Yeah. He's always supporting." Like he's only supporting, and then Mantis. Had, that, that let's not talk about that. And with we had Mantis. Randall Park. Um, oh, <laughs> being, like. He's he was comedy relief, even though he's good. He was good, and yeah. I liked. I love. I love. I hope he has his own movie. The thing is, like his character Jimmy Woo, yeah. Agent of Shield, is supposed to be pretty badass, right? Yeah, he's supposed to be like a James Bond type, like secret agent. Yeah, yeah. I felt like yeah. Um, Randall was like I know they like it was a Paul Rudd movie, so it was a Paul and, and he was he was Randall Park as Randall Park. Yeah, and then and the Ant Man, everyone's like, oh, Ant Man, like it's supposed to be a, a Marvel, but I'm like, it's a Paul Rudd movie. It was written by Paul Rudd. If you've seen all his movies, like and it's and they're all great. I love yeah. Paul Rudd movies, but there it's a Paul Rudd movie. So you're not gonna you're no matter what, there's gonna be no badass other than a woman. Even Paul Rudd wouldn't be a badass. He's just the hero, <laughs> and he's a funny hero. Yeah. Um. So no one would be bad. Badass, even the three guys, yeah. like but his friends. I just, I just wanted to see Randall Park be a badass. I know. I feel like they should have added a scene. For they should that, have been you know? punched. The, the or he came in and saved the day with this like yeah shield training. You know. Yeah, like I mean, he is supposed to be a badass, but who knows? Maybe if you say a secret word, he just activates. You know. Maybe. Who knows? I'm excited to see Randall Park in the future expanded universe. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I hope he does like Phase Four, like the next phase. I hope he didn't get snapped away. Oh my god, yeah. That'd be funny if he didn't and then he comes back, he goes, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> like and um yeah. yeah, like I I hope I hope for more for him, but like I can't think of any Asian like other than the TV shows, but yeah. if you're talking about movies, um really, like I was like I mean DC has one up because they have Jason Momoa stars, yeah. Aquaman. Yeah, so. and that's great. Like, I was like, we need more Pacific Islanders too yeah. because they have no one. <laughs> like, people, like, 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 I'm glad Taika is there because he will include Maori people, mm-hmm. like um, Pacific Islanders. So we do need more. Um, but I'd like to see, I mean, I'd like to see Namor be Asian. I like to see, I want to see more. Yeah. Like, just if you're able to fuse um, be- race bend white people to other races, then do it. Give us an Asian. Yeah, or just like let's see Phase Four be like Amadeus Cho as Asian. Oh Hulk. my god! Yeah, let's see Silk take the take the stage. Yeah, like, Silk hasn't even been confirmed yet, so I'm waiting for yeah. it. Like they said, we're they're in talks making a movie, but I'm like make it confirm it, and then yeah. like I I just but that's also a Sony entity. It's true. So um, you just don't know. And like Riz, pro- yeah. Riz Ahmed is in the <laughs> Sony Venom and he's a villain. But you know what? I'm rooting for him. I, don't, I, I, I hope everyone else dies. I hope he's, <laughs> I hope Riz Ahmed, I don't care how bad he is. You know what? If he survives, I'm cheering for that. <laughs> yeah. So what else have you been covering at the, the con? Um, let's see. I did Doctor Who which, on Thursday, which was so fun. Yeah. Um, I got to um, see and meet um, Jodie Whittaker. And, like, I just said, um, <laughs> good job. That's all I said to her. Like, I'm, I'm so excited for you. And then she said, thank you. And I, I walked away. But I 
mainly wanted to like I want to talk to her, but I was talking to PR because I was like, listen, I need to talk to Men- Mendip uh, Gill because mm-hmm. she is the first Asian companion. Okay. Um, there was an Asian companion in Doctor Who in the in the nineties with the Eighth Doctor, but he was the companion of the Master the villain mm-hmm. and even though he'll he'll argue that he was the doctor's companion because he in the end he helped the doctor mm-hmm. um i think it's different with the tv movie so it's like official right? yeah like, like this yeah. is a companion that's for sure like the doctor's companion and she is a south asian woman um and you know she she just seems she seems really cool and everything and um they're they're making so many breakthroughs with this season yeah it seems like they're just like breaking through all the walls. Yeah, they're being inclusive season. as as heck. Yeah. Like, um, Jodie Whittaker is the the first female doctor, uh, first woman doctor, um, and then Tosin because Britain and the U and the U S. There's colorism, um, and the last uh, black, um, the last few black companions, all the black companions really have been like marginalized and and mm. like our secondary characters were. They kind of were pushed aside, like all the black characters were pushed aside really? that were companions, and so that was really disheartening. Um, and that's why when Ryan, uh, the character Ryan, played by Tosin Cole, was cast, he he was a dark skinned black man, and they seem like they're not they're gonna avoid like the, the horrible mistakes they've done because yeah. they'll hopefully they'll make him a fully fleshed character who is a character in his own right versus the previous characters served the purpose for the white people. Right. Um, and One so, can only hope. Yeah, yeah, so I told them that and they were like, what? We did not? I'm like, listen, this, this <laughs> series, you have the first uh, South Asian, like uh, Asian in general, mm-hmm. your first Asian companion and then you have the oldest, uh, there's three companions and then you have the oldest companion joining the cast. Like they never had an older gentleman other than like one-time <laughs> adventures. But this is going to be a companion, yeah. and he's an older gentleman, and he's the oldest companion. So for me, I'm like, this is a big deal. Like, four people are totally, it, and that's why I was like, I emailed them. I was like, listen, give me phoners. I'm going to make a full report on as a person of color because, and the and just groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, That's so awesome. that was a really fun thing to cover because <laughs> I'm just a hoovy and I went to Hall H and I bought the sonic screwdriver she had. So <laughs> that was my main thing. Did you have to wait in line to get into Hall H? Um, no, I got a press pass so I could just go in um, and sit. I know. Is there like a, a special people... press pass? Because I have a press pass and I had to wait in line. Oh, so, so it's a special one from the okay. studios. They have to ha- give it to you. Oh. You have to request it and they give it to you. <laughs> I'm so glad because um, maybe four years ago um, when I... Um, when I was still hustling, yeah. um, about five years ago, like whenever with the 2013, that's five years, five ago. years ago, yeah. um, the 50th anniversary was coming out, mm. um, and they were having a panel, and that was a hard, and it was hard to get press passes for to that one from studios, mm. um, so I camped, I camped, I camped <laughs> since Saturday. The the panels on was no, uh, the panel was on Sunday, a uh, Sunday. Wow. I camped at 4 p.m. I remember because people were like the lines forming. I was in my pajamas, my pajamas, like short shorts, and mm. in, in my room. And someone said the lines forming. It was four p.m. I was like, "What?" I ran out in my in my short <laughs> booty shorts, and it was really bad. And I sat down just in the random way wow. next to the last one. And my friends helped me out, but I waited just so I could attend this Doctor Who, and it was worth it. I feel like Hall H. Feel like it's a lighter schedule this year. Yeah. Right. Well, Marvel's not here and HBO's not here. Yeah. So it's it's <laughs> like the only big one that I know people are gonna uh, line up really like intensely mm-hmm. is Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Sony was today, yeah. So Sony was pretty good because it had Venom and Riz Ahmed, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my main person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Sony was here, and um, 
and that was the main one. But tomorrow, WB Morning, that's gonna be nuts. That's yeah. like the, that's this year's Marvel. And like, I don't want to compare because I do love WB. I'm a DC girl, mm-hmm. and I'm a Marvel girl too. But um, that's like it's, it's gonna be huge. I mean, DC has a lot of ground cover. Like mm-hmm. they've they've kind of dug themselves into a hole as the not as good yeah. comic book movie. Like this, as like for movies, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. But they, like, TV shows are great, though. Yeah, I mean, it got they have so many. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like they're a little bit better on the diversity front. Oh yeah, like. oh they're way better on the diversity yeah. front than Marvel. Um, I mean, Kathy Yan is doing um, Batgirl. Yeah, and there's a, a Birds of Prey. Birds, Birds of Prey. Prey. She's right? doing Birds yeah. of Prey. She's doing which is like which, Batgirl as yeah, Oracle. Which, <laughs> Oracle. which um which isn't Cassandra Cain also. Yes. Confirmed to be in that yes, movie. Yes, she's confirmed to be in that yeah. one. So an Asian woman, written by an Asian woman too. Yeah. Um, so I'm like... It's 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 funny how it takes an Asian writer to yeah. go and say, why not? Let's do the, let's do the Asian pack girl. You yeah. Know? It's like perfect. Because, like, yeah. well, with Birds of Prey, you know, Oracle is Robert Gerling, so she yeah. can't be Batgirl anymore anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, get, bring it. <laughs> but you have like other, other Batgirls who yeah. aren't the Asian ones. Exactly. So but it's, no it's one really that, knows them as well. Yeah. I mean, we know some, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, Laura, thanks for joining us for this yeah. segment, catching us up on the news of Comic Con. So many. And uh, we'll catch you later. Have a good rest of the con. Yeah, we'll you too. And that was writer Laura Sukol. You can find more of her coverage of the 2018 San Diego Comic Con on com. Next up is a chat with three very talented authors, uh, Sarah Kuhn, C.B. Lee, and R.F. Kwong, about the author's experience at Comic Con. And we are here at Comic-Con. I am surrounded by a panel of super talented authors. We have uh, Sarah Kuhn, C.B. Lee, and R.F. Kong. Welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you. Thank you. How, is, how are your cons going so far? Uh, Rebecca, I know um, this is your first one. How, how does it feel to be at Comic-Con? It's a lot, um, <laughs> but it's been really exciting. Um, I think Comic-Con for me so far has been a lot about meeting people I really admire and like meeting a lot of my heroes because I went to like a writer's party last night and there were so many people who I've like grown up reading their books or read their books recently and it was so cool to meet them in person and just like also like female writers I admire so like I was on a panel with Tomi Adeyemi and she's so cool and nice and like grounded and down to earth and so smart and I was like wow like I wouldn't be like you and obviously like meeting Sarah was a big deal for me because she means so much to so many Asian authors um Especially because of that paragraph about the hair streak that we were talking about last night. Um, so yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, um, Sarah, yes. of course, friend of the podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, how many comic cons have you been to now? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I've lost count. I mean, I used to come, you know, because I live in Los Angeles. It's pretty easy to drive down. So I used to come just as a fan. Like I would be like super stoked to go to like Gail Simone's spotlight panel. Um, or like you used to be able to just walk into like I don't know panels about Buffy or the X Files or whatever, and now that just seems like I don't even know how that happened. Like it seems so impossible now. So I've been coming for a while, um, and definitely now it feels more overwhelming. And I think coming as an author is is more overwhelming because 
you know, like it is work, like we were talking about before. There's so much you have to do. And also, um, like you were saying, you're meeting so many people that you like super admire or you're like, oh, I just read your book and I loved it. And um, I don't know how other authors feel, but I feel like uh, because I spend so much time in my head, I am a little awkward in person. So sometimes I'm like, oh, no, like I'm looking at that person. I really admire them. And like I'm trying to say the right thing. And so, yeah, it's I think whether it's your first or you've been coming a long time, it's always kind of overwhelming. Who's the person that got you the most uh, like tongue tied? <laughs> OK, so um, a couple of years ago, I think it was my debut year. It was when Heroin Complex came out. So like 2016. I am a huge fangirl for Nalini Singh, who writes a series of paranormal romances called Side Changeling. And um, she's a woman of color, and the books often feature characters of color. And she is just, like, such an amazing writer. And so um, I think I had tweeted something. Like, someone had included us in, in the same tweet as, like, women of color, like, writers who were going... And I think I said something like, oh, I'm such a big fan or like, you know, I, I, I tweeted something. And then um, I saw her across the room at the Penguin Party and she kind of looked at me like, oh, you look kind of familiar. Like maybe I recognize you from something. And I just like ran away because <laughs> I just couldn't I couldn't think of like the perfect thing to say. And I was so nervous and I just love her so much. So hopefully someday I'll get the nerve up to actually speak to her. Just keep going to those penguin <laughs> Yeah, I'll just keep going until I can talk to her. And CB, Carrie, how many Comic-Cons have you been to? This will be my third and or fourth. I'm trying to remember. No, okay, so I've gone, I've always, like, Comic-Con itself has always been a dream for me as a fan, just to mm-hmm. go. So I've gone once, like, very, very early 20s, and then um, I went, I, I had the opportunity to go again, I think, in 2014 as a fan. And I was just really excited just to be at Comic-Con as a fan and get to, like, see the wonder that is, like, Hall H and, mm-hmm. like, like play the line game and just get to... And then that was kind of when I was, like, an aspiring author working on my book for the first time. And then last year was the first time that I came back as, as a guest, as an author, and it was just so overwhelming just to see, like, my name on the placard and be like, oh, yeah, this is C.B. Lee. She's signing it this time. She's on this panel. And I was so overwhelmed. And I was on a panel with, um, this was at WonderCon, but it's it put on by Comic-Con. Yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah. I was on a panel with Mercedes Lackey. Mm. And I remember I brought, like, a backpack full of books. <laughs> with Oh, and also on the panel was um, Connie Willis. Mm. And um, so I brought a backpack full of books. Like, it was literally everybody else on the panel. <laughs> and before the panel started, like, usually the panelists, like, come and sit and, like, hang out and chat for a little bit before the panel starts. So I brought my backpack up to the stage and was like, hi, I love your book so much. You're amazing. Can, like, and I like, just kind of, like, flailed and had, like, that awkward fan moment where I asked to, like, sign their, if they could sign my books because I thought they were amazing. And then I had the awkward moment where I, I didn't introduce myself. Like, I was like, wait. Now I have to like sit down at my seat. I'm also on this panel. <laughs> That's right. And um, but it was fine. They were really, really nice and wonderful, and it was it was really exciting. But I think the what's amazing about Comic Con is the magic of it. It's just it's a convention that brings together so many fans, so many people who are passionate about what they love, and whether you're like a creator or. Um, someone who just loves the work it's and or both it's and you know like talking um, touching on what Sarah said about like how different it is to be 
like it's very hard to be like there's so many things I want to do but I can't because I may like oh I'm on this panel so I can't attend this other panel at the same time and so like okay so now I'm here for work but it's 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 a dual I don't know it's a double and you're, you're busy at this con too you have like a, a gajillion panels that you're on apparently <laughs> I've been I'm on a panel like every day and it's it's I love it but at the same time I'm I'm very excited to be able to chat with so many amazing people but there's also so many things I want to like go see <laughs> and like you 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 have that like fear of missing out <laughs> over so many things but you know it's Comic Con there's always something happening and you know it's it's that like impossibility where you're like well I'm on one side of the con a cool thing is happening like all the way on the other side and yeah. you just try to like do the best you can and like see that you know whatever you are like that experience is just make the best of it and you can have a great time yeah well I know you all haven't had much time to walk the floor so far but uh, what are you most excited to see um, I had a little bit of time to walk around the booksellers um, booths just to like steal books from them uh, I'm really <laughs> excited about uh, I was going to go buy a copy of um, Kill the Farm Boy by Delilah Dawson and Kevin Hearn and they just gave me one and signed it so I'm really really excited to read that um, I'll probably go back to the Delray booth and ask for more free books because <laughs> a lot of my favorite authors are at Delray um, I might go raid the Harper Voyager booth too <laughs> Is that, yes. like a, is that like a perk as authors you get? Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like sometimes I just like email my editor and I'm like, this book sounds really good. And he's like, a package is on the way. <laughs> I know what you're, you're asking for. Awesome. Just drop that little hint, right? <laughs> How about you? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of... So many things, but yeah, I also like to go and, and get free books and stuff. And um, you know, Nalini Singh isn't here this year, but she and I are both under Penguin Random House. So now, whenever she has a book come out, I always sort of like do the same thing. I like <laughs> nudge my publicist. Oh, hey, I saw there's a new book out. Um, so yeah, that's really awesome. And and there are a lot of um, opportunities. Like op- there are a lot of um, opportunities, I guess here to get like awesome books like just as they've come out or like mm-hmm. maybe right before they come out and get them signed mm-hmm. by authors and so yeah that's I, I agree that that's really one of the coolest parts that I still fangirl over <laughs> yeah I yesterday so you know when you you get your badge they give you that giant bag yeah, yeah. you can fill with stuff because it's convenient and so before um, when I was prepping to go to the Kanye show I was like oh I'm going to leave this at the hotel because I don't I'm not going to I don't want to carry this huge thing I don't no need it no one wants to carry that I don't thing. need yeah. it but at the con I acquired so many books <laughs> that like and I had like a small bag and both bags broke oh so no oh no I, like, but eventually when I was at Penguin I was like oh they were so nice they gave me yeah. a tote bag and I was like okay great and now I can carry all my books but I'm, I'm I think it's one of the greatest things about Comic Con is you get to like see all the like the new arcs and the, all the authors are here and you get to chat and like flail with them and have those like really great like I love your work wait no I love your work and um <laughs> It's it's one of the best parts of like I feel like it's it's not really a well known aspect that there's there's a huge literary presence at mm-hmm. Comic Con. You know, most people think like Comic Con is all all comics, but there's you know like a lot of publishers are here and yeah. it's a big promotion, especially for like books that have that like fantasy sci fi element and even just like 
contemporary romance, everything that like you know they want to be like, hey, if you're here, you're a fan. Whether and you can be, you can be a fan of books. Yeah, that's that's a huge part of of being here. So that's really exciting, and I love love that aspect of Comic Con. That's awesome. So. All of you are also on a bunch of panels throughout the weekend. Um, you know, as as writers of color, you know, a lot of topics that you're called on to speak on usually involve diversity, representation, um, and all three of you have books published that are centered on like Asian American or Asian characters that are still very much not. There's not enough of that in, in the world. Um, how does it feel to be like representing that voice? I mean. Yes, I think that it's the, the representation is increasing um, among authors. I mean, the fact that we can have this roundtable at Comic Con is like really awesome because I think you know a lot of times when you come out with something and you're author of color and you're also writing protagonists of color, there is a point where sometimes you feel like you're always maybe the only one on certain panels or. You know, if there's like more than one author of color, it's like automatically a diversity panel (laughs) or, you know, like there's sort of weird things like that that I do feel like are shifting and and changing slowly. Mm -hmm. And I'm super excited to see everything that's sort of been coming out, um, you know, since I was here with the first book two years ago. I'm super excited about everything that's coming out now. I, I'm so excited about Rebecca's book and, like, how much amazing buzz it's getting and how, you know, like, there's some of those books that you just start seeing everywhere and you feel like it's sort of um, penetrated outside of your, your circle, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, in my circle, like, my, my very curated Twitter feed... I'm used to seeing every Asian book by every Asian person. And I'm like, yeah, because all my friends have really good taste. And a, lot of, a lot of my friends are Asian. Like, of course, like we're promoting each other's work. Um, so I think it's exciting to then see um, some of, like, a lot of the books that are coming out now, like, sort of going beyond those circles even and, and being able to see them everywhere. And I feel like Rebecca's book is one that I am, like, seeing everywhere and I think that's just so exciting. And I just want there to be more. I want there to be more in, like, every subgenre, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like, we write very different sort of, like, subgenres of fantasy. Um, and so I think it's cool that, like, there's starting to be representation in all of those subgenres instead of maybe just, like, one every few years. Yeah. And it's nice to see, like, Asian-American stories or Asian stories that don't have to deal with just, like... Right. Overcoming your yes. parental yeah. like pressures it's and not just about the struggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that, like especially what you said about genres is that we need more stories in every possible genre, and I love seeing that the landscape is really changing as and it's really building upon who has come before. You know, and I, you know, when when we first met, that was when our books came out the same year. So um, Heroin Complex and Not Your Sidekick were out the same year. And we both met because we're like, hey, we both have like Asian yeah. American superheroines. And um, we also met like Paul Kruger at the time who had um, an Asian American superpowered uh, main character. And we're like, hey, we're like, you know, we're all, it's a genre now. It's official, <laughs> there's three of us, it's a genre. It's official subgenre. <laughs> but, you know, it's for the longest time, um, I can remember just growing up and seeing what was available. Like, you had, like, Amy Tan, Laura Siep, and there was a lot of, like, historical fiction, there was, like, memoir, and there was some contemporary, but there wasn't a lot of genre fiction. 
And I love being able to see that change because a lot of what genre fiction represents is like projecting yourself into like new and fantastic worlds, like whether it's like the future or a fan high fantasy or a contemporary fantasy or urban fantasy. It's really that like power of imagination where if you can see yourself in the future or in, in the fantasy, like being the chosen one or kicking, you know, kicking ass with demon cupcakes, you know, like, or, you know, it's, you can have more power in the present, I think, because it's, it's that, it's that mirror, you yeah. know, it's like, you know, growing up with like Star Wars and did just with when Kelly Marie Tran was like announced as like Rose, I'm like, oh my God, there's like, I get to be in Star Wars. <laughs> um, I think on that note, I think something really cool I've been seeing is that younger, hopeful Asian writers today have so many more role models to look up to. Like, it means the world to me when I get an email from a Chinese girl who's like, I didn't imagine that I could like write about my family history mm -hmm. and have it be published. And then I read your book and this speaks to me like, like nothing I've read has before. And that's like, that's so weird because that's exactly how I felt about authors like Cindy Pond and mm. Ken Liu and Sarah. And like when I was trying to get published, I was looking at like this list of Asian authors I could count on two hands, right? Um, and thinking, okay, if they could do it, I can. And I feel like there's so many more of us now. Um, I read a lot of like Asian books by Asian authors for review. And just like in the next couple months, there's so many and they're all speculative and a lot like there are YA books, there are adult fantasy books. And I feel like there's just such a ri richness of literature coming out and it, that doesn't mean that everything's equal and everything is solved and perfect but there's so many more Asian authors and there's a community and like hopeful writers see that happening and like know that the possibilities are opening up for them and that's really cool yeah yeah I, I mean first that is that is like I can't like second that enough mm -hmm. because I, I feel like um, like even when my book was announced and um, you know, it maybe wasn't as many yet. Still, the people who had come before, like Cindy Pond and Melinda Lowe, and then people who maybe weren't fantasy but were in other kinds of genre fiction, like Naomi Hirahara, um, uh, they were just so amazing. Like, they would, like, reach out to me and just be like, oh, can we, like, do anything for you? Can we, like, answer any questions? Can we provide support? And I think that's so, so important because it's true. It's sort of like if you don't see it, like, you don't really know it's possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, like, like, for me for a long time, even though there were, like, Asian-American authors here and there doing, like, different kinds of genre fiction and I would always like go to them like a magnet I, it still took me a long time to be like I could actually write this story that's a superhero story that's not about a white person and it would maybe like go somewhere you know so I, I do hope that um, yeah a lot of like readers who are coming into it now are, are seeing that there's more of these books and realizing like you actually can do this like you can write this story it will sell the audience is definitely there for it um, and hopefully they can like internalize that and carry it forward yeah I mean that's interesting I, you, you hear this um, narrative over and over again and I'm interested like because um, you know we were at a screening of Tell the Boys I Love before yeah. at Netflix and Jenny was talking about Jenny Han the author was talking yeah. about the publisher really really wanted her to make the main character not Asian right um, did you have any pressures to do that for your books well <laughs> Every single character in the Poppy War is Asian, 
So it would have been really yes. weird to have a random yes. person. <laughs> but, but that's awesome that you can, like, we're at a point now where you can pitch a story taking place in that world, and it's like, sure, go do it. Yeah. Right? I think one of the, like, one of the most amazing things, so I'm published with Interlude Press, and they are a, um, they're a publishing house that started in 2014, so they're new, but basically the focus is that they're publishing books, all the protagonists are from the LGBTQ community, and one of the interesting things about, uh, so when I pitched um, the Sidekick Squad series, it was originally going to be one novel, and I was like, oh, it's going to be this fun novel with this Asian American girl at the center, and then um, as I was writing it, I was like, oh, actually, the story is bigger. Um, is it okay if it's a series? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're totally into it. And because it's the press itself, the mission is just to like publish queer writers and have, you know, get more of these stories accessed. It was, um, I feel like the, the intersection of myself also being a woman of color and being a queer woman of color, that when, when the book was announced, you know, and like Sarah was talking about the community, I, I had no idea what to expect. I was just so overwhelmed by the love and support from, especially from the Asian American community. When, when the, the cover was revealed with just like the blurb and I was at like, I was at work the whole, the whole weekend when it was announced. So I didn't see, I knew that it had been announced like on Tumblr and like on Twitter and all this stuff. And so I didn't see it until like a few days after. And by the end, so it was announced on like a Friday. And then I finally had time to look at it on a Sunday. And it had like over like 5,000 shares on Tumblr. And I went through the tags and it, a lot of people picked up that the, the main character's name is Jessica Tran. And then it's very clear in the, in the um, back copy that her, the love, the love interest is a girl. And so a lot of people were very excited about it. And I, you know, coming from, being like, you know, I was very new to publishing. I didn't, didn't know what to expect. Just seeing how much support there was, and it really, it was, it was a lot of. It was the community that really drove the book forward. And if it wasn't for like, you know, like I met Cindy Pond at a conference, and it was an instant. She is so amazing, and she instantly was like, "What can I do? What can I?" And then she did like a giveaway for my book, and wow. she was so wonderful. And I, you know, I met Melinda Lowe, and I had the opportunity to be um, at. Um, she was a, a mentor at Lambda Literary, so I was. I did a, um, a writers' fellowship there, and so she was my mentor. And just being able to chat with with her about like how much her book meant to me, and how you know, it's it's really interesting to see how far we've come in just the like past five years, ten years, and I'm so excited for Rebecca's book and just what it means to see these amazing Asian American authors kind of blazing forward yeah. with with so many yeah. wonderful and diverse ideas within the community. Like we saw like American Panda. We yeah, have I love American um, Panda. We have from Twinkle with Love, yeah. we have and Maureen Goo's mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. amazing. Astonishing color of after, yes, yes, and All of picture them. us in the light. Yeah, and there's there's so many new and amazing books, and I feel like it's really because like. You know, like one step forward, and we all step forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been really cool to see, just like entering through um, my book club podcast, Books and Boba, and be introduced to like Asian American book Twitter. Yeah, and you know, talking to authors, and like, I mean, we were turned on to um, Rebecca's book through when we were talking to Fonda Lee, mm-hmm. interviewing her about her book. She was like, "If you like this book, you should check out yeah. Poppy Wars, check out um, Peace Brow Chen." 
I think it's. I mean, I think it's great that we can all like raise each other up like that. Um, and to to sort of answer your um, your first question, I I um, when I was writing Heroin Complex, I remember that it, when it was just at the writing stage, like I didn't have an agent, I didn't, you know, I hadn't sold anything. Um, a lot of times, people would say to me, white people would say to me, well. This is great, but one, it's very niche, which I was like, (laughs) it's superheroes. Literally, the number one movie every week is a superhero movie. What is niche? Oh, what could be different about this one? I wonder. Um, Or it would be like, well, that's going to be a question that comes up. You're going to have to make both of them white or one of them white. They can't both be Asian. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, And it was just, I mean... I guess I had just reached a point where I had struggled for so long to like really let myself center Asian characters and center characters who look like me that I I think I was just like, I'm just going to go for it. Like, I don't care anymore. (laughs) You know, I worked so hard to get to this point. I'm just going to go for it. And once it got to sort of like the stage where it was like on submission and it was selling and I, you know, or before that, when I got my agent, no one I ended up working with said that, you know? And I was braced for it. I was braced for it every time. Like, I was braced for it with the cover. Like, oh, I'm going to have to fight to make sure they're not whitewashed or that we can even put their faces on the cover, period. And that didn't happen. They hired an Asian-American artist, Jason Chan, and he did an amazing job. And so it's interesting because I feel like there were all these points because of what people had said to me while I was writing it where I was, like, braced for like this fight and then (laughs) thankfully it didn't happen I mean I think it's kind of like um, Melinda Lowe wrote that great essay about like Mm self-rejection like how before you even start or before you're even doing something you're like well I can't do this because of X because it always has to be a white person always has to be a straight person whatever and I mean I think what is hopeful now is that we're seeing that that really isn't true Yeah. yeah that's actually that's super positive to hear that <laughs> once it actually got down to it there was no no problem yeah i mean i think still i got some uh some rejections from editors that used the the word niche which i still side eye whenever i see it about anything by an author of color um but yeah i know everybody that i've worked with has been uh really fantastic um, and also, I just wanted to say, I like that the common thread here is that we all think Cindy Pond rocks. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. Oh, I wanted to add to an earlier point. There is okay. so much love in the writing, like the Asian American writing community. Like everyone is so supportive of each other's books. Like when I, when the popular was coming out, like so many people like read it and boosted it and like reached out to me and like gave me advice. And I was like, you're all heroes to me. Like, I'm not your colleague. Like, what is this? And they just like it's like one big family and we just like all adopt each other and it's really cool because Sarah and I had a conversation last night about um, professional jealousy and sort (laughs) of the Highlander uh, complex Mm. where you sort of assume that there can only be one Asian in the room you know like one Asian woman succeeding and like for a long time I like struggled with that because I was used to being the only Asian girl in the room or the only Asian girl who had done something and if another Asian girl was doing something 
and like people who are like really good friends to me now, but when I didn't know them, I'd like see them getting boosted and be like, why, why is that me? Like, I hate this. Like, I love their work, and like because their work was so good, I was so jealous of it. Um, and it took me like a while to get over that and realize that boosting each other's work and just creates a larger audience for us and creates more opportunities for us. Yeah. But I think it's a mindset that a lot of authors that aren't uh, like a lot of authors of color still struggle with within our own groups mm. so yeah. there's that side but on the whole I think the community is is so so yeah. supportive and it's amazing yeah yeah the mentality of like there can be only one is so destructive because it forces people to like be in competition with one another to put one another down and it's hard because there isn't only one spot and it's yeah it's it's a struggle when like you feel because of you know the system of publishing is you know, and maybe in the past, and in something that's been challenging and maybe changing for the better is that you, there used to be when you know publishers maybe would be like, "Oh, we already have an agent, but we're okay. We don't, we don't." Yeah, I mean, I think I, I was going to say like I think part of the reason that we often start out with that mindset is because it's instilled in us by mm -hmm. gatekeepers or by people who will say like, "Oh, you know, you're going to have to change these characters or whatever." <laughs> It, there is this idea that I think it's drummed into us about there can there can be only one. Like I, I have had friends who have had people say to them, "Oh, we have an Asian book. We have an Asian book this season," even though it's like completely different book. Mm -hmm. Or you know, I have a friend right now who's um, trying to sell a really cool like Asian martial arts based show, and, uh, and some of the feedback, "Oh, we already have that. We have even if it's like a completely different Asian show, yeah. it's just like." It sort of like gives you that mindset then of you're like, oh, well, can there be only one? Like, am I in competition with everybody? It's and such a, like a, I want to, I don't even know if it's, it's an American thing, but such like a gatekeeping thing to have, have quote, like the idea of quotas and yeah, there can only yeah. be like the idea that I have this pie and you get one piece right. amongst right. like this entire community when like, why not just bake a bigger pie? You yeah. make more yeah. money. And yeah. also I think that then, then it ends up being so great. Like we were talking about how like everybody supports each other mm -hmm. and that just means like everybody has a bigger book event. Everybody has like a bigger, you know, retweet <laughs> count on, on Twitter when, when your book's on sale. Like it just, it, being able to come together like that just makes everyone better. Yeah. I saw this amazing cartoon that was about professional jealousy between artists, but I think it applies to writers, where it's like two pieces of cake and like oh, one's yeah. slightly prettier, and the <laughs> one of the creators of the cake pieces is like, er, that cake is better than mine. But then from the perspective of the cake eater or the reader, it's like, more cake for me. <laughs> <laughs> more cake is better, always. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's also like one of the things I love about like the Heroin Complex series is that you have multiple Asian American yeah. characters, and it's something that we don't see a lot in media mm -hmm. where oftentimes they're like, okay, there's one Asian character. There's one gay person. There's yeah. one person. And, you know, you can only be one thing. And I love that, you know, and it's one of the things that, like, you know, when we're talking about representation and making sure that people are, like, complex and nuanced characters that because you have multiple characters of color and you have multiple characters from a similar background that one person doesn't have to be all one thing and no one book can be one thing and it's interesting to see like there's a lot of there's criticism I feel like especially like authors of color get 
for their books because some people are like, oh, that isn't my immigrant yeah, experience. That isn't my, my exact experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, but it is like no community is a monolith. And, and I mean, isn't that the point of media literature to like put yourself <laughs> in someone else's shoes for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's it's one of those things that like I can understand from the reader side because certainly whenever. I've seen something coming out where it's like an Asian girl doing something. I'm like, oh my God, I must have this. Like, I'm obsessed with it. Like, and then it's sort of like, there's so much pressure on that one thing to be everything to you. And no, no piece of media can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it, that's why, like we all keep saying, there just needs to be more of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's more of everything, then there's something yeah, for everybody. something for everyone. Yeah, more cake for everybody. <laughs> more cake for everyone. <laughs> well, I want to thank you all for joining me. Uh, during your busy Comic-Con schedules to chat. So what's next for, for y'all? Rebecca, what's next for you? I am going to go to another party tonight and <laughs> <laughs> drink more. Um, nice. Writing guys, I'm, I'm working on edits for book two, oh. which has a title now. It Yay. is The Yay. Dragon Republic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and crying and drafting book three. <laughs> awesome. Carrie? Um, I'm working on the next in the Sidekick Squad series. It's called Not Your Backup. It'll be out in 2019. Mm-hmm. And um, as for Comic-Con, I'm on a panel later today called um, Into the Fan Zone. And we're, I'm with uh, Marcus Shiro, Britta Lindine, uh, Danica Stone, and Jen Wilde. We're going to be chatting about fandom and YA. And then tomorrow I'll be on a panel called um, The Fake Geek Girl Fallacy. And Sarah will also be there. And we're just going to dismantle the myth of the so-called fake geek girl. (laughs) Um, I am working on more books in the Heroin Complex series. Um, We're doing a novella and then three more novels um, starting next year. And so I'm really excited about that because it was, you know, sold as a trilogy. And then as I was writing it, I was like, oh, I kind of want to stay here for a while. So... Um, luckily, it you know did super well. Thank you again, Asian American community. <laughs> um, and uh, so they asked for more. So I'm excited about that. Um, I have a YA novel coming out next year. That's actually my YA debut. It's um, a contemporary rom com. So there's no like magic or powers or anything. <laughs> it's just like people being cute. Um, and that I love you. So I love you so much. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. My editor Jeffrey West came up with that title, and it's just like it's so like delightful every time I see it but um, it sounds yeah very it's, it's very like um, it's like a Japanese American girl who goes on spring break to Japan and she has a romance with this guy who is like a costume mochi mascot because you know they have so many like costume mascots yeah. in Japan um, and then I have some comics um, I wrote with my friend Amber Benson and um, the artist Siobhan Keenan another clueless comic book which yeah. is um, summer vacation because we were trying to keep them in high school for as long as possible <laughs> so um, it's the it's Cher and Dion and Ty on summer vacation and we actually incorporated Summer who is the Asian American character in, okay. Clu- in Clueless the movie played by Nicole Bilderbeck who still looks so young that she also played a teenager and bring it on several years later um, and then finally just yeah, announced breaking news um, yeah. I'm writing a graphic novel for DC's new DC Inkline which is uh, YA graphic novels um, and I'm writing Batgirl and it's Cassandra Kane Batgirl who is the Asian Batgirl the best yeah. bad girl. The best bad girl. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. Yeah. I'm so thrilled that Thank you. Um, oh, I totally forgot to mention. I'm, oh, yeah, because yeah, it, it was just announced, at, and so I'm so used to, like, 
Oh, you can't announce you it. You can't, can't say anything. anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to be writing the new Ben 10 graphic novels wow. with, with Boom and Cartoon Network. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so awesome. the, the first will be coming out in uh, March-ish, March-ish <laughs> of cool. 2019. Who's the artist? The artist is um, Irene Chen. I want to... S- Wow, I used to have such a big crush on Ben 10. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is the reboot. I'm very excited. It was, it, was, it was really fun, but also at the same time, they're like, because I come from a background of like having loved Ben 10 too, and they're like, this is the reboot. So I, was, I had all these ideas. So like, oh wait, that's the old canon. Focus on the new canon. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's still fun. I'm really excited. It's awesome. Congratulations on all your future projects. Uh, again, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Um, I guess one last thing before we go is where can people find uh, your thoughts on uh, social media? www.rfkwang.com. Also, I am starting a new review blog yeah. by oh. Asian uh, readers talking about books mm. by Asian authors. Okay. And awesome. It'll be super casual, but since I do this on Twitter all the time anyways, <laughs> I'll just have it on a blog. And I'm so excited about the name. It's Journey to the Best. <laughs> Love it. I like it. I get it too. (laughs) Uh, Carrie? I'm at cb-lee.com and I'm on Twitter at author underscore cb lee. Um, My website is heroinecomplex.com and I'm on Twitter. It's just my name, Sarah Kuhn. And then I'm kind of trying to start my little um, Instagram. Which you know, where I post like more of my like outfit pictures and stuff, <laughs> but um, it's Syracuse books because someone already took Syracuse. Oh no! <laughs> Who is this? I other don't, they're not even using it. It's just like a blank page. That's what they, I had to add books for but, our listeners. Um, Sarah has a very, very, <laughs> very. She this she takes be a compliment. She Marvin. takes she takes dressing up at Comic Con very seriously. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all the amazing outfits. Yeah, yeah. very very amazing. <laughs> um. Again, thank you so much for joining us and um, have a great rest of the con. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Bye. And that'll do it for this episode of the Collabcast. I hope you enjoyed our chats with Laura Circle, Sarah Kuhn, Arv Kwan, and CB Lee. Again, if you like the last segment, um, please check out some of the works from our guest authors. The third book of Sarah Kuhn's heroine series, Heroine's Journey, just came out um, and is available everywhere. Uh, also, check out CB Lee's Sidekick Squawk series, Not Your Sidekick and Not Your Villain, available now on bookstores everywhere. And definitely check out Arv Kwan's work, The Poppy War, available now. I just finished that book myself, and it's one of my favorite books from 2018. Also, stay tuned for more coverage coming from the third and fourth days of Comic-Con. We'll be releasing that episode on Monday. Before we go, a quick reminder that the Collabcast is a program of collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community in North America and beyond. You can learn more about collaboration by going to the website, www.collaboration.org. The Collabcast is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective a collective of Asian-American posted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian-American community. If you're interested in more author interviews, check out the book club podcast Books and Boba, hosted by myself and my friend Rira Yu. In addition to reading and talking about books written by Asian and Asian-Americans, we also interview Asian-American authors. Um, check out our last two episodes featuring interviews with cartoonist Dami Lee and a more in-depth interview with C.B. Lee. You can find Books and Boba, The Clubcast, and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to our website, www.podcastpotluck.com. Special thanks to singer-songwriter Big Phony for use of his song Bedford Stop for this week's intro and outro. Stay tuned for the second half of our coverage of the 2018 San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I hope you're all having a great weekend, and I'll catch you later. Bye.